0: Very certainly great things that God has done and is doing, and many of those He does through us. Uh, We have the privilege of being His people and His servants. We are the people that He uses to bring His praise into the world. Well, Pastor Doug is in the middle of this series called Season of Serving. Uh, I started several weeks ago, and it's going to go down into the end of November. And then following that, we're into what? Christmas. Boy, it seems like it's just really quick coming up. Pastor Doug's taught us that, I I think this is maybe, to me, it's one of the most important things, uh, one of them. He's taught us that as Christians, we can be customers or we can be servants. And if you want to start filling in stuff on your sermon notes, you can. You know, at face value, it seems like that it's a lot better to be a customer. Uh, we're used to that. We do it all the time. We're customers at Safeway and Fred Meyer. and We're customers at Applebee's. And we're customers at McDonald's and Taco Bell. And, and all around, we're customers all of the time. Uh, And and we like being customers because it puts us in control. If if I'm shopping at Safeway and I decide I don't like them, I don't like their prices, I can go to Walmart or Fred Meyer or Mega Foods or someplace else and be a customer. It gives me that, uh, that ability to pick and choose. I can decide. I'm in the driver's seat. And we put that into our Christian lives. It's kind of like still saying, God, I'm in the driver's seat. I want you to do things my way. Uh, You take care of of me because I'm important here. And and if I don't like it, I'll go someplace else. I'm not sure where we would go. But then when we consider what the Bible says, we discover that it's better to be a servant. The Bible compels us to to serve. Uh, It compels us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we learn two words for servant. Uh, they, they happen to be Greek words, but it doesn't really matter. Pretend like they're just strange English words because take those Greek letters and make them into to English letters. Uh, one was doulos, and a doulos is something. A doulos is a servant, but he simply is something. Now, he's a willing servant, uh, he said, I want to serve. The, the, the idea goes back to when a person was either a, a servant by compulsion or a slave. And the master said, you're free to go. You have served your time here. Um, go back to your family. And, and the guy said, I don't want to. I don't have a family or they're in a far country or whatever. I would like to stay here and just be your free servant. And, and they would say, OK, fine. And they would actually punch a hole in their ear. And uh, that would be an indication that he's there as a doulos, a servant, just freely, willingly serving. And that's great. But then we discovered there's also another kind of servant, and that's a diakonos. And a diakonos does something, not just there, but he puts that to work. Now, I suppose it's possible for a, a servant to not do anything. Servant could say, Hey, I'm a servant. I'm here freely. And he just sits around and he eats his master's bonbons and drinks his champagne and just carries, that's alcohol free champagne, by the way, and, and just carries, and it doesn't do anything. Uh, I suppose you could do that. I'm not even sure how that plays out in a Christian life. Um, you remember Pastor Doug gave us this phrase to be a diakonos means to spend the rest of my life asking, how can I help, not what is in it for me? Uh, How can I do something? How can I contribute here, not simply what's in it for me? And then last Sunday, we learned about serving in our families. Maybe one of the hardest places to serve. Um, You know, being... uh, Father, a husband, a wife, a mother, a teen, a, a child. We, we all have a place in there to actually serve. When we think of, uh, of this phrase, how can I help? How can I make somebody better? We serve in uh, in our own way. Uh, we serve in very common ways. Uh, and when I say our own way, I don't mean that, that it's... Um, We're going to do it my way. We each have our own particular way of being servants in our families. but And yet, they're common ways. Now, today, we move to serving each other. Uh, Still in this area, but now let's think about serving each other. Now, there's a passage in Galatians. Pastor Doug's used it before. I think he used it last week. I want to take us there because there's there's five important words uh, that we're going to look at. Uh, Galatians, and this is in chapter 5, says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. See, our serving comes because Christ has set us free from the law. The context for the verse is that, that in the area that this letter was written to, an area called Galatia, there were some people coming in and saying in order to be a Christian, you have to be a Jew first. Now, these people were not Jews, but you have to convert to Judaism and then you can be a Christian and you've got to follow all the laws of Judaism. So all of the things, including circumcision, had to be put in place before you could be a Christian. And Paul is saying, hold it, wait a minute. Christ set us free from all of that stuff. But then he added, by the way, we live in freedom, but that doesn't mean that we use that freedom to satisfy our sinful nature. Just to, the, you know, the lusts of the flesh and go do whatever we want and say, well, I live in freedom. And there was, by the way, a thought prevalent at that time that um, we were two different people and, and it was the spirit that was it saved so the body could do whatever it wanted to do. Paul's saying, no, that's not what's happening. We have freedom, but we use that freedom to serve one another in love. And then he goes on to say, you know, the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself, which we can turn that around the other way and say you have to love yourself in order to love your neighbor. Now, there's a proper kind of love. You, the way you think about yourself, that's going to have some indication of how you treat your neighbor. Don't always be biting, devouring one another. Because if you do that, at some point, we devour each other and there's none of us left. Basically, he's saying we're not to sit around looking to see who's not living up to the sta- excuse me, to the standards of the law. Here's the important words in here. Five, five words. Serve one another in love. Now, we're going to take a look at this phrase going to break it into two parts and take just a little bit of a journey, a little bit of a Bible background to it, but the journey is going to be real short because it only has two stops in it. Um, The Bible gives us this instruction to serve one another. Um, We see, first of all, that each Christian is part of the body of Christ and serves that body. You know, we take care of our human body. Go to the next slide. Uh, We are a part of this body of Christ, and we take care of that body. We take care of our human body. We do that as best we possibly can. Well, most of us do. Um, We do take care of it in some way or some manner. You know, if there's something wrong with our foot, we we, we know we better go get that taken care of or pretty soon we're not going to be able to walk. You know, if, if our teeth need some care, we know we'd better go take care of that or pretty soon it's going to get pretty painful. You know, we, we can't, so I need to take care of these things. We spend considerable sums of money to take care of our body parts. I thought, that's interesting. I wonder how much we do spend. Look at this figure. That's how much we spend on the average in the United States per person... It's how much we spend on health care. That's what the government spends, what insurance spends, what we spend personally, I guess what the hospital writes off. So almost $9,000. Now, I know you could go to different charts and find different figures. Um, this one was uh, kind of a composite of the last five years, and it listed all of the countries. I so, thought, whoa, 9000 that's quite a bit. I wonder what some of the other countries have. Take a look at this number. That's how much is spent in Malawi per person per year on health care. I use Malawi because that's where Pastor Doug went and we're familiar with, with um, some of the ministries that happen in Malawi. Now, this would be a great point to s- take a sidetrack and talk about missions and, and the inequities and how, but we're not going to do that. The point is that we do take care of our body. In 1 Corinthians, Paul uses the human body to illustrate how we're dependent on each other in the church. And then how we take care of each other. Now this section in 1 Corinthians, I'm going to read here in just a minute. um, It comes in the middle of of a section about spiritual gifts. He talks about what they are and they're given by the Holy Spirit. But then when in this section that he's talking about these gifts and how important they are in the body and and how those gifts help us take care of the entire body, Paul takes this side road and explains with this illustration. He paints his word picture of what the church is like. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 starting with verse 14, and I didn't put that in your notes because it took up too much space, but we have it kind of on the screen, I hope it's big enough to read, trying to to get all of it up there. Uh, He says, Even so the body, that is our human body, is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. Now let's stop for a minute and just kind of note, kind of a summary of this. Every part belongs to the body. The hand, the foot, the eye, the ear. Now that, that's, just, that's so basic for us. We know that. But Paul's giving this reminder as an illustration because there's a point that he makes in all of this. Let me keep reading. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern. For each other, okay. The point here, the the summary of this is that no part is more important or less respected than any other part. Next slide. Uh, I thought of kind of, of making a little joke because Pastor Doug's gone, Pastor Matt's gone, Pastor Caleb's gone. Um, it's it's uh, Dave and I. And I don't know, Dave, which one of us is at the bottom here? I don't know. But I was thinking, well, I was thinking, Dave, no, your job is more important because you're leading music and you're up here and you're helping all of us worship and so on. And I, I was going to kind of make that comment to see if you'd catch it, and then we'd come back to it here. Because what does Paul say? He says not, no job is any more important than any other job. Uh, we're not above and below and, and whatever. So, got to keep that in perspective. No part is more important or less respected than any other part. And then he finishes this part right here with two verses. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. The summary here, every one of us is a part of the body part of the church. The great body of Christ, a part of this church. Every single one of us is a part of this. Now remember that Paul is writing to a church when he says this. He's, this is a letter. It's a letter to the first Christian church in the city of Corinth. It happens to be the only Christian church in the city of Corinth. Uh, but it was a body of people gathered together. It wasn't perfect. Uh But it was the body of Christ. In fact, that's why Paul writes and and they go through different things because Paul is trying to get them to be more like Christ, to get past some of these particular hang-ups they have. Uh, Just as God's word is trying to get us past some of our hang-ups, whatever they might be. Paul says, take care of each other. It's interesting that he begins this section, even the, the part even before I read, back in 12.7. Uh, uh, he says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Okay, now I don't want to put the emphasis on those gifts, but um, they're, they're given so that we can help one another. Spiritual gifts are important. It would be fun to go off on that sidetrack, and we won't do that either. Um, But each of us has a spiritual gift, maybe more than one. And maybe through life that gift might change. Uh, Some spiritual gifts look just like talents, just like abilities. Um, Teaching is a great one. Uh, Teaching is a spiritual gift. But some people don't have the spiritual gift of teaching, but they have the ability to teach, So that gets into this whole area of of spiritual gifts that that we're not going to take that tangent. What he is saying is we have them for a purpose. And that purpose is to help each other, to build up the body. So we are to serve one another. Now, let's go to the second part of that phrase because it's important in here. And that's simply the two words in love. Paul concludes chapter 12 with a list of the gifts. He says they're important. Important enough that Paul takes time to, to give them. But then he adds these, I think it was 15 words or something. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And we go to chapter 13. Okay, let me just a little parenthesis here. Two things to remember. First, Paul did not make the chapters and the verse divisions. When Paul wrote, it just kept going. One line after the other line after the other line. Probably not even paragraph divisions. He just kept going. In some writings, there was a little indication in the line that this is a new paragraph or a new thought like a paragraph would be. I don't know if Paul had that in 1 Corinthians when he wrote, but, but basically he kept, there were, chapter divisions weren't there. They didn't come into, the, into being until the 13th century. I think it was 1255. You can write this in the margin, and then you can tell somebody this. It you know, sound really important. Uh, it, it was a guy by the name of Stephen Langton. He was Archbishop of Canterbury. And he thought it would be a lot easier to find our way around in the Bible if we had chapter divisions. And then it was a couple hundred years, 300 years later, before the verse divisions came into being. Okay. The second thing that we need to know is that 1 Corinthians was not written for wedding ceremonies. It was written for the whole church. Now, it's great at wedding ceremonies. It's part of our... In the the discipline for weddings, and it's there. Um, I've used it many times. Great to admonish the bride and groom about these things regarding love. But it wasn't, wasn't written for a wedding ceremony. It wasn't written for a bride and groom. It was written for the entire church. It tells us what is the most important in the life of the church. Paul said, here's these gifts. And these gifts are for building up. They're so important. But he said, wait, there's something that's even more important than that. And he tells us what it is. The first three verses, he mentions some of the gifts. Speaking, prophecy, knowledge, faith, giving, martyrdom. But he follows each of those by saying, they don't mean anything without love. You could practice those gifts all day long. We could prophesy to each other and we could speak to one another and I could preach to you, and we could do all of these things, but if love is not there, we have not accomplished a thing. And then the next four verses are the ones that we're familiar with from weddings. Good instructions, but they're there for how we should treat one another. Now, here are these, and, and I had to make them just a little bit small to get them to fit up there. Go to the next slide. Um, I hope you can squint. Um, you can look in your Bible too, you know. Um, here they are. And this is from the message, and in the message you just lists them line by line as the way they are here. Um, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. See, it's not what I can get out of it. How can I help you? Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trust God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back. But keeps going to the end. Now, for many of us, these are familiar. We kind of read through them and say, yep, that's love and that's, that's good and those people ought to practice that. And, you know, it's, Regardless of the translation, it's just kind of there. But you know, there's one thing you can do to make this get really personal, and that's to put your name in front of each of those lines, or in place of love in the first four lines. Uh, now, I'd just love to pick on one of you, but I'm afraid to. Um, you know, I could put Terry's name in here, or George's name, but I'll tell you what, I'll pick on me. But you put your own name in. No, Gene never gives up. Gene cares more for others than for self. Gene doesn't want what he doesn't have. Mm, That's getting a little tough now. Um, Gene doesn't strut. Gene doesn't have a swelled head. Gene doesn't force himself on others. Now, I think maybe I could live with that one. That, That might be true. Um, Gene isn't always me first Gene doesn't fly off the handle Well, not usually You know, I used to uh, Especially back as a youth I I had a temper And the Lord just took care of that I can't even point to any particular time Or instance or something It just suddenly one day dawned on me I'm not mad like I used to be Gene doesn't keep score of the sins of others Jean doesn't revel when others grovel. Jean takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. That's true if I like the truth. Jean puts up with anything. Oh now, now I'm really in trouble there. Um, don't don't ask Joyce about any of these. Gene trusts God always. Well, of course, because I'm spiritual. I'm a pastor, so I always trust God. <clears throat> yeah, right. Gene always looks for the best. Jean never looks back. Gene keeps going to the end. Okay, you see when you put your own name in there, it gets a, a little bit harder, but we have to remember this is God's word speaking to us. So as you go down through there, I'm sure there's some of those that kind of hit, and you can say, oh, yeah, the Lord tells me I can. I, I need to practice those. So a quick review here. First of all, each Christian is a part of the body of the church. Now, we can't disconnect ourselves from it except by leaving, and by leaving the Christian faith, because even if you leave this church, you're part of the great body of Christ, uh, so you're still a part of it. We take care of the body, our our physical body, so we take care of each other in the spiritual body, in in the church, in the body of Christ. The second is that our motivation is not simply to use a gift or ability to show off. Our motivation is love. It's love for God and love for one another. So then we come to number three, which we kind of come full circle. We're back to Galatians We serve one another in love. We don't just serve, and I guess we don't just love. We serve one another in love. We don't just go to church. Okay, 10 o'clock, I better hurry or I'm going to be late. I need to be in church. Sit there for the next hour and a half. Go home again. We serve one another. We do something. But we don't do it just because the Bible says uh, that we have to do it or because the pastor says we have to do it or because Rachel comes and and lays a guilt trip on you. She needs more people in promised land or Carrie comes and she needs more people in after school. Uh, We do it because we love one another and we want to serve and build up one another in that body of Christ. So how do we serve one another? Well, in whatever way builds each other up. See, the question is, how can I help you grow closer to Jesus? That's not just a question for me. It's a question for you to ask me, to the person next to you, the person behind, the people. How can you help the body of Christ grow closer to Jesus? So we do things like, like we teach in Promised Land and after school and teach the youth and learning for life and small groups and, and all of those kind of things. We serve on boards and committees, we, lending our ideas and our leadership to help the church progress. We clean, scrub, sweep, mow, rake, care, take care of flowers. We build and repair. Uh, all kinds of things around the building. There's even more than that. Um, we pray. Now, I didn't put that one first because I didn't want you to think I was making a spiritual list. Um, It's not first. It's not last. It's simply important. It's one of those things. So Jack prays, and he'll be here to pray with you if you want in a few minutes. Uh, There's others in the church that just really know how to pray. You could call them a prayer warrior. Maybe the spiritual gift they have is prayer, but we can all pray. You don't have to have that gift or, or have that warrior distinction. We all pray. We pray for the church. We pray for one another. And we do a pretty good job when we know the needs. Sometimes we pray for somebody right here. There's a prayer list that goes out by email. And by the way, if you're not on that, uh, get a note to Rachel or something so you can get that email prayer list. We encourage one another with hugs and words and cards and emails. We smile and we laugh. We give our money, yeah, you knew I was going to get to that one eventually, huh? That is a way that we serve one another as we give we're supporting the body of Christ, so the body of Christ can be not just here but in the world. you know, as we came in this morning, some people were were greeting you as you came in. Uh, people made coffee or lattes. Uh, People are, are back there in promised land right now. Somebody cleaned. We had a bunch of people up here on the platform leading us in music. Uh, all kinds of ways that were served even just this morning. The, um, see, two Sundays ago, some of us went to the Gaither Vocal Band concert up in Portland. Great time. Now you have to like the Gaither music, but I mean it was an absolutely fantastic concert, wasn't it? Those that went are going. I can hear the rattle. Um, One of the songs that they sang. I'd like to sing for you, but I'm not going to. Um, But here's part of the words, and the, the song happened to be in the context of of the grandmother telling the person, the singer, man or woman, um, giving giving him her some good advice. And, And the advice was that you always reap exactly what you sow. Sow mercy. Sow grace. Sow kindness. Sow faith. Words are like water, sprinkled with love. You will harvest all your hearts been dreaming of. So mercy, so grace, so kindness, so faith. Yeah, we do these. Those those are things that we can do for one another, and it seems like it comes back to us. Now you may struggle with some of this, with serving, or serving with love, and think. Pastor Gene, I'm, I'm not sure I'm there yet. I, I, I don't know if I can do that. I, yeah, I like to do my little thing over here. And I don't know, maybe I do it just because of guilt and I think I need to, to be involved in some way. And I encourage you to move beyond that to doing it in love. Because you love the body of Christ. You love this opportunity to serve. It doesn't even have to be big. You know, there's little, there, there's all kinds. Every one of them. Is important. And it's okay to struggle. But keep struggling. Make progress in that struggle. And as God talks to you this morning, uh, just keep moving toward that. And it's okay to say to the Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm not there yet. But I want to be there. I'm, I'm trying. And I'll get there. But help me and lead me. And give me that encouragement. Now, maybe the Lord's saying, you're doing great. Thank you for what you're doing. Well, just praise the Lord. Take a few moments to thank him for that. This is our Selah time. Our time when we can just pause before the Lord. Be quiet before him. Let him speak to us. What is he saying? But then respond to him. And don't just, okay, the Lord said this and kind of in one ear and out the other. But make that commitment or respond in some way, and I trust that some way is not no. Respond. Lord, this is what I'll do as you are leading me. We have the opportunity uh, to receive communion. And I don't know that we have anybody here, somebody just volunteer, um, uh, to serve on. Sure.